In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. From 1998 until 2008, and then again for a time in 2016, Southwest Airlines ran an ad campaign that you will likely recall. It was the one with the tagline, Want to Get Away? You know, those commercials that showed someone doing something incredibly awkward and embarrassing, which prompted the tagline, that feeling of wanting to get away. The campaign was successful because that phrase and that idea, the thought of getting away, is one with which we all connect. Whether it's simply a desire to take a vacation and get a break from work in our day-to-day, or maybe we do want to avoid that awkward or potentially challenging situation, or maybe just because we need some space and some time to process or grieve a loss. There are many reasons for which we want to get away. We long when we get away for rest, for relief, and for comfort, such that day by day we can live and move forward with a little more happiness, a little more joy, or a little more peace. And yet, we can't always get away, can we? Wouldn't it be great to know that God knows how we feel in that moment? To know that he understands our suffering and meets us exactly where we are, even when we can't get away, and helps us in the midst of it. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 goes almost exactly like that. We see the human Jesus looking to get away and unable to do so because of the crowds. And yet, we see both the humanity of Jesus in that and his divinity in how he meets us and where we are and how he cares for the crowd and for us. We find in Jesus a source of comfort, a source of healing, sustenance, and hope. As the gospel begins this morning, we hear that Jesus had just heard of something, and his response is to seek a place apart, a desert place. So he gets into a boat and goes. What had Jesus just heard that prompted such a decision? The way the text is laid out, there are two options. The very beginning of chapter 14 tells us that Herod has now heard of Jesus doing miracles, but Herod has not heard it of being Jesus himself. Herod actually thinks perhaps it's John the Baptist being raised from the dead who's doing these great signs and wonders. Now, one could imagine if someone that you've killed has come back to the dead, that might get you a little upset. So perhaps Jesus is looking to just take some distance and let that particular storm calm and let that pass. But the way the text continues is that we then hear about that detail of when and how John the Baptist himself was killed. And in verse 12, we hear that John's disciples have come and told Jesus, which leads us into the passage today wherein we hear of Jesus hearing of it and seeking to depart. I prefer that reading that Jesus seeks to grieve the death of his friend, the one who baptized him, the one who prepared for Jesus' own ministry, that Jesus just wants a few moments apart to grieve. Either way, we see Jesus acting in a very human way to let a particular conflict pass by, not ignoring it, but not willfully engaging it, or perhaps in grief, And we see Jesus reacting very much like you or I might, just looking to get away for a moment. But as we've mentioned, 
it's not always easy or possible to get away for us. It wasn't possible for Jesus either. Even as Jesus is coming out of the boat, the crowds are already approaching on foot, having walked from wherever they've come from, trying to find Jesus wherever he was going. About the only time Jesus actually managed to have alone was when he was in the boat. And rowing across the Sea of Galilee is not exactly the most restful experience you could have. Jesus looked to get away, but these people were also looking to get away. The text tells us that Jesus heals them. So this crowd is looking to get away from illness, from suffering, from pain, and they see in Jesus their hope of love, of peace, and of relief. Two different groups of people, both in suffering, both looking for relief. Jesus did not respond to the crowd much like I probably would have. When in the midst of our own suffering, it becomes challenging for us to see or understand the suffering of others. The pain that we only know fully is our own. And when in the midst of that pain, it's kind of blinding to what others might be going through. We see this in particular in the crowds in their own pain and suffering of sickness. They're unable to see that Jesus might need a moment, might need a break from his ministry. Now, objectively, a couple thousand years later, you and I can sit here and I think appreciate that Jesus may have wanted to take a break for a moment. Could you guys just give me an hour or two? Just, I'll come back. Just give me a moment, would you? And I think if the Gospels had been written that way, we would have said, yes, Jesus, we'll give you a moment. We get it. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus' response is quite different. He sees the multitude truly sees them for exactly who and what they are. He sees their tireless effort to walk on foot to wherever he's going. He sees their sick friends and family that they're carrying with them, hoping that he can help them. And he has compassion. Compassion itself is a rather interesting word. Usually in our modern language, we think of compassion as something akin to pity, or sympathy, or maybe even a desire to help. But let's look at the word a little more carefully. The C-O-M prefix suggests bringing of things together, such as we see in the words community, or to combine something. And for the word passion, we must also reach beyond our typical modern usage of the word. Rather, let's maybe think about it how the church uses that word. When we have passion week, that week leading up to Easter, in which we remember all of the sufferings and things that Jesus went through leading up to the cross and to the resurrection. Passion, in its most ancient definition, means suffering. So compassion, then, means suffering together. It's more akin to empathy than sympathy. Jesus has compassion on the crowds. He sees their suffering and he suffers with them just as he sees our suffering and suffers with us and has compassion upon us. So far in the story, we've seen Jesus being very human, but we've also started to see him as something very different and divine. He's able to see beyond his limited humanity into the fullness of his deity and see us therein. Because the bulk of the passage, as we continue, has nothing to do with Jesus getting away, 
has only a little to do with healing of the people, but rather meeting a need that they and he, only he was really aware of that they didn't even see themselves. It's only at the end of the day that the disciples come to Jesus, realizing that this is a large group of people, and they're likely to be very hungry very soon. And so they offer to Jesus a very practical and reasonable response. Jesus, it's the end of the day. Please send these people away so that they can go into whatever villages might happen to be nearby, remembering, of course, that they're in a desert wilderness, and let them buy food for themselves. It's a very reasonable response. But have you ever noticed that Jesus and God don't always seem to do things that we think are reasonable or practical? Jesus responds to his disciples by saying, you give them food. Remember, this is 5,000 men besides women and children, according to Matthew. That's a daunting task. I think even a fully staffed Chick-fil-A with a fully stocked freezer might have trouble serving that many people in one evening. And here the disciples are with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. As John's gospel retells this passage, they even ask the question, what are these among so many? How many times in our lives have we felt like we didn't have enough to actually make a difference? It's only a small amount. I can only do this or that thing. It won't really make much difference, will it? Now Jesus tells them, give me what you have. Hand it to me. And the disciples sit there and watch as Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them to give to the multitudes. Person by person, takes bread, takes fish, all the way around the large crowd, and back again to the disciples. They no longer have five loaves of bread. They don't have even a loaf of bread. Instead, they have numerous, numerous broken fractions and portions that it takes them 12 baskets to fill. More than enough. The miracle done. And it isn't that everyone got just a nibble. The text is quite clear in saying that they ate and were filled. They were satisfied. They had all of their needs met in terms of food, having had their needs met in terms of healing before. Jesus doesn't feed everyone from nothing, although he certainly could have turned rocks into bread. Instead, as God often does with us, he takes what little we have when we give it to him, and he blesses it. He does something extraordinary with it. This miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is the only one that all four gospel writers include. It shows the complete sufficiency of Jesus Christ for our own needs. That he meets us exactly where we are. In the returning of 12 baskets of food, one for each of the 12 apostles, and likely representing the 12 tribes of Israel, Jesus is showing himself as Messiah, as the fulfillment of God's promise of provision and of God's hope for the world. And we should understand it as such, that it's more than the immediate suffering, it's the promise of God for all time. And the story of hope has been left to us, the church, in which we have a similar experience take place week by week. Just like the bread in the story, 
we are taken out of the world as we gather together for worship. We are blessed by the scriptures and in the Eucharist, where we receive this bread of life that itself is taken, blessed, broken, and given to us. And we then, having been blessed, are then broken and sent back into the world as God's light into the world for the life of the world. This story of God as hope, this story of Jesus as the one who meets us in our needs, who understands our suffering, who understands our desire to get away, meets us with compassion. He suffers with you and with our world. And he meets us in that place to help heal us and provide for us and to give us hope far beyond our current suffering. May you and I find that Jesus here this morning. May we offer to him the little, the too little that we think is insufficient. And may we find that he blesses it and does something miraculous with it. And in the midst of it, may we find him sharing himself with us so that we can have compassion on the world and offer them the hope that we have in him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.